peace of our Lord be with you. The Spirit of Jesus is the Spirit of humble service. That is the truth which travels in today's Gospel lesson. In this morning's lesson from Mark, when Jesus overhears the disciples arguing among themselves about which of them is the greatest, Jesus tells them that the world's standards of greatness, power, popularity, success, are not his standards of greatness. Rather, Jesus says that for his followers, true greatness is found in humble service. Whoever wants to be first of all, Jesus said, must be last of all and servant of all. All of which is to say that the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of humble service. That is why, for example, when we remember Mother Teresa, who gave her life to and lived her life with the sick and the poor, something inside us instinctively recognizes the spirit of Jesus in her life and work. Or take that moment when Pope Francis washed the feet of prisoners of every faith and no faith. No one had to tell us that that small gesture was a sure sign of the Spirit of Jesus? Or when Henry Nouwen left his highly visible Ivy League teaching post to go live and serve as a full-time caregiver in a group home for severely disabled adults, all of us recognized immediately in that downwardly mobile act of self-emptying love, an embodiment of the Spirit of Jesus. Because we have read the four Gospels, we know what the Spirit of Jesus is. This isn't one of those, well, everybody has their own opinion kind of thing. If we've read the four Gospels, we know precisely what the Spirit of Jesus is. Not only in this morning's lesson from Mark, but throughout the Gospels, the Spirit of Jesus is the Spirit of humble service. Whatever else we may not know about Jesus, we do at least know that Jesus called his followers to a life which is guided and governed not by the world's measures and standards of success and greatness, 
but by a spirit of humble service. It is the job of the church to form us into people who understand that spirit and who embody it in our ordinary, everyday lives. We follow a Jesus who had an odd and peculiar view of greatness and success. A view of greatness and success which does not match up with or endorse our culture's view of greatness and success, which is a problem because from the moment of our birth, we have been bombarded on all sides by our culture's understanding of greatness and success to the point that success has become our idolatry. It is so hard to resist the gravity of a culture which has taught us from birth to think the way the world thinks about greatness and success. But when the disciples were arguing among themselves about which of them was the greatest, <laughs> Jesus said, y'all sit down. We have to talk. If you want to be great, the only way to do that in my kingdom is to become the servant of all. That's it. It is a life of gentle, patient, humble service. That is the spirit of Jesus. And it is the church's job to form all of us into people who understand that spirit and who embody it in our ordinary, everyday lives. That is certainly not the only reason, but it is one reason why every time you open a Northminster newsletter, you see something about opportunities for service. Opportunities for service within these walls. Teaching stories, making music, singing songs, Rocking babies, loving children, folding newsletters, serving meals, preparing communion, arranging flowers, passing the plate, counting the offering, welcoming the stranger, and burying the dead. Gentle, simple acts of service 
offered in the name and spirit of Jesus. And opportunities for service beyond these walls, through Meals on Wheels or the Stewpot Food Pantry, at Operation Shoestring or Billy Brumfield, at Grace House or Span School, with Salt and Light or Habitat for Humanity, or by helping with boarding homes or the Angel Tree, or serving as a Northminster Caregiver of the Week, or showing up as a Northminster Friend at the Yellow Church on Wood Street. Think for a moment about what all of that might someday mean for little James and Dowling Guyton, who just came out among you a few moments ago. There is an excellent chance that once those boys get old enough to go places and do things, they will be traveling with Leslie to sing at a nursing home, riding with Stephen to serve lunch at Stewpot, going with Jill to help in the work of a wider net. And why? Because we're a church. And that's what churches do. And that's what churches do because the church is in the world to embody the spirit of Jesus. And the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of gentle, humble service. Several years ago, maybe a decade ago, the British Broadcasting Corporation set out to interview some key world leaders. And they asked all of them the same question. Name some of the most defining moments in your life. One of the world leaders they interviewed was Desmond Tutu. And when they posed that question to Bishop Tutu, he said, well, one of my most defining moments is going to sound awfully small, but it really was one of the defining moments of my life. He said it happened one day when I was nine or ten years old. My mother and I were walking down a street in our town in South Africa. During those days of rigid and unjust, oppressive apartheid, he said as my mother and I made our way down the sidewalk, we came to a building into which my mother needed to go. As we approached the door, a white man was coming out. He held the door for us and tipped his hat to my mother and went on about his way. But he said, to this day, I remember as a little kid thinking to myself, there is hope. He said, that is the moment 
when the spark of hope was birthed in my spirit. Gestures of humble service don't get any smaller than that, do they? He held the door for us and tipped his hat to my mother. How many seconds did that take? But the man who held the door and tipped his hat had been formed to go about his ordinary, everyday life embodying the spirit of Jesus, which is the spirit of humble service. <coughs> Sisters and brothers, that is it. We have all been so seduced by the world's gravity about what constitutes greatness and what constitutes success that you and I are no longer even aware of the fact that we have been that seduced. That is true of me and that is true of you. Richard Lisher has rightly said that the proper posture for the prophet of God is not anger, but sadness. And he's right. It is not for the prophet, such as the one you have is, to be angry at anybody else because I am as seduced by this world's gravity and understanding of success as anybody in this room. So let us all repent, say no to the gravity of the world around us, and open our lives as simply as we can to the Spirit of Jesus. which is the spirit of humble service. Amen. Under the close of this hour of worship, we invite you uh, to respond with decisions for our Lord and our Lord's church during these moments.